Hello there, and welcome to the Football Outsiders live stream and podcast for March 9th, 2023. I'm Aaron Schatz, the editor-in-chief of footballoutsiders.com, joined as always by Mike Tanier, and we are both home from the Combine. Uh, not this shaky uh, internet that unfortunately we had to deal with last week. Uh, oh. We're back in our home studios. <sighs> Things are much better, although Mike got a little bit of combinitis. Com- combinitis 23. It is not the flu. It is not COVID. It's not strep. It feels like all three of them at once. Um, and it has knocked me out for most of the week, but but we're rallying, folks. And shout out, apology to anyone who was around me last week in Indianapolis. I'm sorry if you caught this. I don't know who the super spreader was. It wasn't me. And at, at, despite not feeling well, Mike was able to get the whole FO100 put together and out. And it's now available. So if you are a Football Outsiders FO Plus subscriber, you get access to the new FO100. That's our expanded draft board. There's the FO100 and the Fantasy 40, which is the 40 most important players for fantasy football for next year that are in the draft with all of Mike's write-ups. And you need to be an FO Plus subscriber. If you want to get a taste of it, the top 10 players are free. And then 11 through 100, you'll need to be an FO Plus subscriber. And later in this show, we will talk a little bit about some of the players that you may like or not like and where you'll find them on the FO 100. Absolutely. Yeah, the first taste is free. But after that, become a subscriber, guys. You get all the FO content, all the stats, all the data for draft season. You get it for free agency season next week. You get it for preseason. You get it for fantasy season. Come become a member, and you can start out, kick off right away with hundreds and hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of words from me. By the way, my favorite part was getting the memo yesterday morning. We we got the whole 100 out, except some guys were just blank. Yeah, and one one player, I think. We, we missed one player. We missed John Michael Schmidt, so we had yes. to add him in. It was written up. It was sitting in, in my in my Google Doc. I just had to transfer it. So, yeah, combinitis, folks. It, it, it's, it's a real illness. But before we get to the FO100, let's talk about the players that are in the NFL right now and this year's wild quarterback carousel. And I'm going to give it, Mike, you know, first of all, I want to remind everybody, if you want to talk about any of these subjects, quarterbacks, running backs, uh, FO100, please, if you're watching live, we love your questions and comments via Twitch or YouTube. Don't forget, we're on every Thursday at 1 p.m. Eastern. And we love to discuss with you what's going on in the world of football. Mike, I'm going to leave it up to you. Which of these two huge subjects you want to take first? Aaron Rodgers to the Jets or Lamar Jackson getting the non-exclusive franchise tag and seemingly every franchise in professional sports all the way to MLS announcing that they don't want to sign Lamar Austin FC put out a fax that they don't want to play in It's surprising because he doesn't play soccer, but uh, some of those really league of jumping on that idea. Some of those League of Legend teams that Ross likes, they were saying, you know, we're not interested. We're not bringing Lamar Jackson. Mm-hmm. Tyler Murray, maybe, but not Lamar Jackson. But I want to start there, and we're going to start there because I am yeah. losing my mind. First of all, the teams did not announce this. It is not like the general managers walked up to a podium somewhere and said, we had no interest in Lamar Jackson. Now, last week we were off the combine. We all had to ask questions of the general managers. We were not allowed to talk about Lamar Jackson last week, except to DaCosta. 
Why? Because you're not allowed to talk about another team's guys who are signed. So the moment you can talk about another team's player is when they are released as a free agent, et cetera, or this unique situation where teams are allowed permission to speak to them. Now, that happened, what, Monday afternoon at 4 o'clock, something like that? I guess technically Jackson does not become a free agent you can talk about until Monday when the legal tampering period. He's technically not a free agent until Wednesday. Right. Monday is the start of legal tampering period. Gotcha. But when the news broke that he was non-exclusive, all of the insider reporters, especially at their local papers who have access to the general manager on their text messages, text the GM, the deputy GM, the owner, do you have interest in Lamar Jackson? And they got back a response, in most cases, no. And they reported it. Okay, so this is not teams marching out saying, I can't wait to tell you how much we don't want Lamar Jackson. This is a general manager sitting, discovering that, like, if he wants this quarterback, he has to pick up the phone, figure out how to call Lamar Jackson, because it's not like he has Lamar Jackson's cell phone number. He has Drew Rosenhaus's cell phone number and Dave Canner and Mike McCartney's cell phone number. He does not have Lamar Jackson's and open up a $250 million negotiation and has decided, I'm not going to do that. That's not in our budget. We've been working for weeks on something else. Said no to an insider at The Athletic, insider at ESPN. It all got reported at once. And we built this conspiracy around this, that this is evidence of collusion. Folks, folks, if they were colluding, don't you think they would say nothing about it? (laughs) If they were hiding something, don't you think they would hide it? That's how conspiracies work? The obvious angle here is he wants guaranteed money and nobody wants to give him fully guaranteed money. The wrinkle to that is, okay, trust Stephen A. Smith as much as you want. You can perhaps trust him zero. But he did say Mm -hmm. that according to him, Lamar Jackson is not looking for a fully guaranteed contract. And that's not what's going on here. Interesting, because every other indication is that it is. And of course, you know what Drew, Lamar Jackson doesn't have? Drew Rosenhaus or somebody right. else who can contact teams saying, that's not what I want. So is Lamar kind of sitting back saying, oh, gosh, I've been misrepresented for what I want. I hope someone calls me and asks me because then I'll tell them this. So there, that's the wrinkle within the wrinkle. Everything that's been and I know that's another Twitter thing. It's like he never said he wanted guaranteed money. Then, then what does he want? What does he, we have no conception of what he want. We know from the Ravens side what he turned down last year, but we have no idea where it's at right now. But the the level of discourse, I asked Ross, uh, if you got that RG3 tweet, Ross, and you can put that up right now. This is the level of discourse we're dealing with right now. This had me absolutely losing my mind. This is RG3. This is, of course, a former player now. He's an analyst. And his, uh, his insight, which, again, in – the grand tradition of me. I just lost it. Lamar Jackson versus Daniel Jones. Lamar, 45 and 16 record, won MVP award, all these great stats. Daniel Jones, 21 and 32 and one record, no MVP awards, mass stats. If teams don't want Lamar, why were the Giants afraid they want Daniel Jones? Because Daniel Jones comes cheaper. By an order of magnitude, not an order of magnitude, by like a 100% discount. Like 50% cheaper. Yeah. I mean, we can talk. We'll talk in a little bit about Daniel Jones' contract and whether we feel like it was too large. But there's no question 
Lamar Jackson is not signing for what Daniel Jones got. And by the way, not only do you have to give him a lot more money than Daniel Jones got, you have to give up two first-round picks, right? which I would do if I was the Atlanta Falcons, mm-hmm. but it's not the same as Daniel Jones. No, it's not the same. It is not the same, right. So, And, and somebody posted it. It was really good. You can find it on my retweets. They talked to agents off the record. Agents explained what they would do to help Lamar Jackson along here. And you understand how layered and deep have to be to get Lamar Jackson that you know it has to be an ownership level person coming in talking with Jackson or his representative they've got to have the Ravens in the loop to a degree it's all very delicate and it's all extremely complicated and at best there would be a very small circle of suitors that you would have to try and work with it's unbelievably complicated and it and I I feel that the Ravens I like the Costa looked at the situation looked at Jackson and said I'm going to call your bluff a little bit. I'm going to put this non-exclusive tag on you and let you find out who 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 calls. And I don't think it's collusion. I think he's like you'll you might get a call. Who knows? You get a call. Maybe you'll get a call from the Falcons. Maybe you'll get a call from the Commanders. Good luck with those negotiations. I think I'll see you back here in a couple of weeks. That's what I. Think I don't necessarily believe mm-hmm. that just because people told insiders they're not interested that that means they're completely. Not interested. And that is not a diss on the insiders. The insiders right. are doing their jobs. Right. They're reporting what the people from the teams tell them anonymously. Right. But it's very possible that the people from the teams are lying to them. Right. And that when this becomes something you can negotiate next week, that somebody will call Lamar Jackson and negotiate with him. Right. And it's also possible that the Ravens will then match that contract. And yes. say, we're, we we told you to go find out what your market is. Yep. You found out what your market was. Now we're going to match that. Welcome home. Right. And that's the other element of this, that somebody, you talk about the Panthers and the Falcons who were involved in the Deshaun Watson thing last year. And they go out there and they put together a package and maybe it's not $250 million guaranteed. Maybe it's $220 million guaranteed. And they put it together and Lamar's like, oh, that, that that's really I'm adequate. They go out there, DaCosta matches it, and they look like saps again. I can see them pursuing it. I can see them saying, we're not going to pursue this. We're going to go get Garoppolo or we're going to get a rookie because there's just too many moving parts to this. Right. Um, So Aaron Rodgers to the Jets. (sighs) I know. Our response with everything with Aaron Rodgers is, Coffee of darkness. My my girlfriend, who doesn't exactly watch a lot of football, is so sick of Aaron Rodgers' talk because every time I watch football, all they do is talk about Aaron Rodgers, even if he's not actually in that game. And that's just going to get worse if he's playing in New York. But it sounds like this is going to happen. What, what it sounds like is that it's come down to either Aaron Rodgers gets traded to the Jets or Aaron Rodgers retired, that the Packers mm-hmm. want him out they're ready to move on to jordan love the jets want him there he just has to decide if he wants to do it which is hilarious because he's completely become far this is very farvian right down to all this dramatic pausing beforehand and leaving everybody i am still leaning on i wish i could take action on he just returns to the packers and the packers are like well he if he doesn't retire we can't really cut him because of the cap hit, and he's back. I'm still leaning towards that. But, yes, there were obviously very productive meetings, meaningful things with the – those the Jets had to fly to him. 
there's a jet side to fly to him. Like he wants to work in New York. Right. But he can't go to New York and like go to Florham Park, New Jersey and see the facility and go out to dinner in Manhattan. He can't, they've got to go to him to, to, to do this. But they did. It was like ownership level people who went there. So we're all playing the rating. You saw Schefter earlier. He did the joke where he like the Jets. Yes, he said the Jets have made a trade for safety, Chuck Clark, <laughs> which was a good one, which was a very good one. But we'll see. Rodgers to the Jets. It's going to be the greatest story ever told. It's going to be such a daily soap opera. It's going to be the best of. The best of the worst of Favre in New York and the best of the worst of Tebow in New York slammed into one guy. It's going to be hard to talk about the football of it. Yes. Because there's going to be so much nonsense around it. Yes. You know, the football of it is the Jets' defense is not going to be as good next year. They had the lowest AGL in the league. I put out adjusted games lost today on the site. The Jets' defense was the lowest in the league on defense. They're going to be more injured. They're going to regress. Yeah. The offense is going to be better. They had tons of offensive line injuries last year. They're not going to have that next year. Rodgers is definitely an improvement over the quarterbacks they had last year. Yeah. I mean, does Rodgers make the Jets better than the alternative? Yeah. But to get to the to the, like, let's talk about what routes he likes to throw and how much does that fit Garrett Wilson, that you have to wade through so much nonsense. <laughs> yeah, and I'm here for the nonsense. I'm here because it's going to be nonstop opinions about New York and 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 all that. And it's going to be gibberish, and I'm going to be here for it, and it's going to continue through camp. I'm trying to do the mock draft. I'm trying to do a mock draft for you for, for, for Monday for the site at Football Outsiders. And I get to the Jets, and I get to the Packers, and I had to stop right there. Because it's like, well, if you move Aaron Rodgers over, you automatically draft an extra offensive lineman at that point if you're the Jets. But wait, if you move him, the Jets don't even have the pick. That's a Packers pick now. That's a Packers pick. So it's like, then I got to put in two picks for the Packers. And then if I bring the – I say, well, there was no trade. So if there's no trade, uh, the Jets, I, I put a cornerback in. So they have two cornerbacks, uh, Devin Witherspoon, for the sauce and spoon quarterback tandem. Don't, nice. act like you don't, don't act like you don't love it. And then we go back to the, to the Packers, and it's like, well – are we giving them alignment? Are we upgrading their defense? Are we saying there's a trade and put two two picks on the Packers? And it was I, ha I had to take a break. I had to lay down. I'm really ready for this to happen. I'm tired of the waiting for this to happen. If this is going to happen, let's do it and get on with our lives. <laughs> yes, like, yes. Let's do. I mean, Kale Clinton told me he's already got it all written up and ready to go up on the site. Let's just Good. do it already. Good. Good. That, that's um, really good. Good work, Kale. Always have the pre-write ready. You can just fire that sucker. You can sit back and you can light a cigar and you can, you know, watch watch the uh, watch the responses. But I'm ready too. But you know who's not ready? Aaron Rodgers because he loves the drama, and that's who the Jets are getting. A guy who's here to watch this drama and then go on McAfee or Rogan and be like, uh, you know, the haters and the talkers. They like the hate. And the yes, because you you bathe in this. You bathe in this. I wonder if he makes them bring in his buddies. Like, for example, they're going to cut Braxton Berrios because they couldn't come up with a, a reasonable restructure. Uh -huh. So does Randall Cobb come in to be the slot receiver, right? That's where, so, yeah, Randall Cobb and Jake Kumaro and Billy Turner, and you got to bring the whole – all the goats and the racehorses uh, 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 stable there. You have to bring them all in. And right off the bat, you're like, wait, what did, what did we bargain for? Mm -hmm. 
All right. Speaking of New York, let's talk about the other New York quarterback. So Daniel Jones, 94 million guaranteed at signing. Yeah. Uh, but it's 82 million over the first two years. A reasonable 19 million dollar cap number this year. Right. And an out after two years. Yeah. The problem is his cap number for 2024 is 45 million. So it's very likely that if he's good this year and they're going to want to keep him for a longer term, they're going to have to restructure this thing. Right. Yeah. So if he's good, they restructure, but they, I haven't looked at it, but they probably turn salary into bonus next year. They move it forward a little more, but they're satisfied at that point because he's good. If he's not good this year, then it's an eat it year. Yep. And then an escape. It's more money than like I would have advised in this like perfect platonic world for the Giants, but it's a logical decision based on what ownership wants. The ownership loves Daniel Jones. And what the quarterback reality is in this draft class, in this free agent class, you are not going to be in the Lamar sweepstakes. You are not going to be in the Aaron Rodgers sweepstakes. And anything else is a potential downgrade from Daniel Jones acting as that sort of C-plus tier starter. Right, which he's not. I mean, even though Dable improved him, yes. he improved him to, I think, 20th in the league in passing right. away, right? Like, obviously right. – Jones has surprisingly strong rushing value, but passing wise, he was C plus. He was C plus. And he's got some rushing value. If he were in the draft class, he'd be probably QB three at this point, you know. So you have that. And if he was in the free agent class, I'm not sure exactly where he'd be. Maybe behind the guys that it moves heaven and earth for. He'd I'd, I'd have him behind Carr personally. But I'd probably have him ahead of Garoppolo at this point, based on the idea that you know he was doing accomplishing all these things with no wide receivers, no he, wide receivers. They had there. so many injuries at wide receiver last year, just slaughtered. Right. So it, I think it's a good compromise solution. Serve two masters. You make him happy, and you create a, a, an exit strategy that doesn't destroy your franchise. I think it's a. It was a pretty good push ball. It doesn't look at, like it's totally optimized, but. That's what they set out to do. What do you think about Derek Carr? $37.5 million per year, four years, plus a void year. Only a $7 million cap hit this year, but a $36 million cap hit next year and $46 million in 2025. Right. The exit ramp, like the Daniel Jones contract, the exit ramp is after two years. If they want out of it, they can right. get out of it after two years with just $27 million in dead money. $27 million in dead money. And it's I mean, tough because I said this is a good – I said on Twitter this is a good signing. And then I yeah. thought about it, and I was like, whether it's a good signing or not depends on what you think you're trying to do if you're the Saints. Okay. If what you're trying to do is win your division, get the fourth seed in the playoffs, and lose in the first round, it's a good signing. Yes, yes. And, and, which, by the way, if you are a – the management of the Saints is probably what you are trying to do because you extend your life as the management of the Saints if you make the playoffs. And for some for some you know fans, that might be good enough. If what you are trying to do is long-term build a team that's going to be competing for Super Bowls every year, right? then it's not a good signing because, my God, just swallow the pill already. <laughs> and it's... Different. I don't see Mickey Loomis as this guy who has to worry about his like long range career. No, I mean, guy Dennis Allen. I mean, Dennis Allen. Well, I guess Dennis Allen doesn't make this decision, but Dennis Allen has to worry about his career. 
Yeah, for Dennis Allen, it's like, yes, please bring me a veteran quarterback. Exactly. But Loomis is at, at the price point where it's like, oh, yeah, you're fired after all that. Well, I'll take a year or two off because I've got, you know, it's money and I'll plan my next move. I've been a GM for 14 years, et cetera. Um, Bill Houston says, so the Saints are trying to emulate what the Vikings game plan was for the past two decades. I think they're trying to steroid up the Vikings plan. Like the Vikings were never this old except for their own in-house guys where they, they were never like consistently bringing in older guys. You know, somebody said about this deal, well, Carr could do really well with the youth movement they have there. And I was like, youth movement? Chris Olave is not a youth movement. He's a guy. He's a very good rookie receiver. This is a team that still has like Jarvis Landry and Tyron Mateo hanging around from last year's free agent class. In addition right. to all the Cameron Jordans, the Mario Davises, Taysom Hills, I, I don't know what they're doing with Jameis Winston's contract. Are they just terminating him, or are they going to? I'm guessing him? he's getting terminated. I'm guessing they can terminate him now, but like under one scenario, they would have to extend him to pay Carr, which would have been like banana pants. So I need to see what they're doing with the rest of this. Getting Carr for seven million this year, potentially putting a ten-win team out there. I guess it's fine, but how much money, in addition to car money, is going to get kicked down the, the the can in the name of this? Right. It's just a feeling of like constant eight and nine-ness right. as every year they push it down the road and push it down the road and push it down the road, and they're never going to be in position to to build a team that's going to be serious Super Bowl contenders. They'll never get that quarterback because they're always they can hang around seven wins or eight wins based on a handful of guys and there's people like Kamara where I don't know where the future for Kamara is between his you know off-field situation and the fact he's getting to be an older running back who's been in and out of the lineup and they're paying him moving forward it's really really strange so I'm gonna I'm gonna call the car was a win car for seven million in 2024 2023 excuse me is a victory for the Saints I'm calling that I want to see what they do with the rest of this roster to try and, and do this and how much Phony baloney gets pulled forward, and how much deficit spending they're going to do, you know, in future years. Yeah, and then the other uh, Geno Smith, which was reported as thirty-five million a year, and uh-huh. it's not. It's actually twenty-five million a year, plus thirty million in incentive, which Seattle is probably like. If he hits those, great. Right. It means he's played really well. Right. I think this is actually a an actual mid-range quarterback contract. It's like like the 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 animal that is like unfound <laughs> in the wild, like an actual mid-range quarterback contract that right. makes logical sense. Like I tweeted out about like there's no question Smith dropped off over the course of the year. Right. Right? Like right. he was bad in the last 5 or 6 weeks. Yeah. But that guy from the middle of the season who was not as good as the early part of the season, but was still above average, mm-hmm. that guy is worth this contract. Yeah, that makes sense. And I think if you take that one and Carr and Jones, you have created a little bit of a range, like a little bit of a middle class. I know there's a, there's a pretty much there are different sizes and shapes, but when you put them all together, they found like the veteran that's not the superstar range, at least to a degree. Temporarily, somebody will blow it up. But I think it was good. You're right. I guess one question I have, we haven't seen what the incentives are. Right. If they were the easy-to-reach incentives, which the way it was being reported, it sounded like they were the easy-to-reach incentives. And folks, an easy-to-reach incentives would be like 10 starts, you know, or things like that. Uh, but then there's harder-to-reach incentives like Pro Bowl, et cetera, et cetera. 
that might shape well, it a little bit. Pro Bowl isn't too hard to reach these days, given that half the time <laughs> decide they don't want to go and freaking Tyler Huntley gets chosen. But um, Coral Skipper says, I've already ranted about this on the Discord. I hate that you have to wait a couple hours after an initial contract is announced to understand what a guy is actually making. Yeah, and I mean, it's the, it's the business, especially when the tweet comes from see, – see, the tweet is almost written by the agent. The agent – puts the tweet together and blasts it to Albert, Ian, Shefty, et cetera. And that's why they sometimes, sometimes there's a typo in all of them. But when it comes from the agent, it is written as a maximizer. Okay. And, you know, as a courtesy to the agent who's providing these guys with this information first, they kind of put it out as is. It's not that it's false by any means, but it is, it is gingerbreaded. Uh, and that's what you saw, uh, Coral Skipper, in this particular case. Yeah. So um, the remainder of free agents, Jimmy Garoppolo, Ugh. Andy Dalton, Ugh. Jacoby Brissett, Baker Mayfield. Ugh. I don't feel like they go uh, – maybe they go places as bridge quarterbacks, like if you, you think you're going to draft one and um, – and you need a bridge quarterback, but the Jets, let's assume the Jets get Rodgers. Okay. That leaves the Falcons. They're not paying for anybody. The Commanders. <sighs> I mean, Maybe they bring in someone as competition for Howell. God. Uh, I mean, that's possible. I don't think that they invest in Garoppolo at that level. Um. So then you bring in Baker Mayfield and say Baker Mayfield and Sam Howell are going to compete for the starting job. I, I lost my will to live in the middle of that sentence. And then the Buccaneers, who everybody in Indianapolis feels like the Buccaneers are just giving up on next season. Yes. It is absolutely a rebuild season. There are the great quarterback prospects in the class of 2024, and Tampa Bay will be trying to get one of them. That sounds about right. And, of course, we're in this we're assuming – the Colts draft the uh, the the uh, Texans draft uh, Young. That's okay. I wrote I wrote down Carolina, Houston, Indianapolis, and Las Vegas as the four teams that I think are going to take rookies. Okay, that makes sense. If I'm the Raiders, I want to get. If I'm the Raiders and I'm getting one of the bottom two, I want to bring in somebody. I want to bring in Dalton. He would, he's the guy who would say, "Oh, here's my bridge," right? Or Brissett. Well, Bill Houston says, what do you think the Panthers should do at quarterback? There seems to be legitimate optimism surrounding this team. Yes. And a solid quarterback could catapult them into the playoffs past the Saints. I think it's pretty clear from what they said when Frank Reich was hired that they're going to take a rookie. Mm -hmm. But if they feel like it works with their cap, I would definitely sign one of these veterans to be this year's quarterback at a bridge. Yeah. Especially if, depending on how the board's going to drop, you think you might end up with Richardson as your quarterback. Right. I think they would probably be okay with Richards, Richardson and Dalton. Richardson and Brissett. Because most of the feeling is that Richardson's not ready to start right away. No, I, I don't think he's ready. I think if you put him out there right away, it's feed to the wolves situation. Um, and then you look at the – I'm writing up the mock draft, and it's, it's a nucleus of a nucleus. Right now in Carolina, because you can say J.C., Brian Burns, D.J. Moore, Icky, and then you throw a rookie quarterback in there and you can say in 2024, surrounded by a little bit more talent that builds around them, that can be a deep playoff run type of team because 
the guys I named are guys who are like all pro, pro bowl level guys at their position and their high money positions. So I, I'm messing around with the idea of having the Panthers trade up in my mock draft. Let's put it that way. Because I think they want to guarantee themselves to get one of the three actually good quarterbacks in this draft class. Um, and, uh, you know, that's what that's what I think. Bill Houston likes the idea of Jacoby Brissett to the Panthers. I mean, I think that that Brissett was very good last year. Right, right. He, he's he, he a good bridge because he will hold down the fort, and I think he comes in and shows you professionalism, et cetera, that some of these younger guys might need. Jordan well, says he would not rule out the Jets signing one of these guys as a non-Zach Wilson backup. Well, I mean, I think that, if they're bringing in Rodgers and paying Rodgers, they don't want to spend money on a backup. They're, no, they're going cheap on backups. No, they're going to go Taylor cheap. Heineke, Taylor Heineke can be their backup. Oh, uh, yeah. I mean, they want somebody that's almost like, again, the goat in the uh, in the racehorse, uh, in the racehorse's stable there. Somebody who's so mellow. That it, it kind of makes let Aaron Rodgers pick his backup, you know that kind of thing. Brissett and Reich do have a history. That's right, useful title. Brissett <laughs> and Reich have been together. Cabbage Press says Detroit is in no man's land because the golf contract does not really let them get Lamar Jackson, and they fell too far down in the draft for Richardson. They could take Richardson with the first pick, with the Rams pick. I Will think he still that be there. I. Where uh, okay. am I getting this mixed up? Hold on a second. They're at six. They may, they, yeah, they may get Richardson. They may be able to get Richardson at six. They should probably, you know, stomp their feet a little bit, see if they can get a trade, trade down. Another thing they could do, the one guy I, I kind of like is, is Hendon Hooker from Tennessee, who will not be ready this year, I don't think, because of the ACL tear. Um, Lions are a team that could sit around in the second round, get a guy who I think is better than Will Levis. And wait for him to get healthy. Wait for him to get healthy and wait for the golf contract to settle down and have the best of both worlds. Yeah. Um, Part of the story about the quarterback contracts was that the Giants, by franchising, uh, by signing Daniel Jones to a contract, were able to then franchise Saquon Barkley. So let's talk running backs a little bit. And what is your feeling about the franchise tags that we're giving out to running backs? $10.1 million for Saquon Barkley, Josh Jacobs, and Tony Pollard. Okay, well, one of those things is not like the other. Tony Pollard's coming off of an injury and is already in a committee. I mean, it's how much the Cowboys are spending on cap space for running backs this year is astounding. It is like <laughs> two of the top eight guys, like two of the top eight guys in the league, like they are way way past any other team in running back spending for this season. I, I was I was meaning to look this up. Uh, you know what? I can't get this year's number here. Well, let me let me try and get it, how much that is. But it, it is absurd. And, I, like, franchising Pollard makes sense if you turn around and trade Zeke or something like that. But that's goofy. The other ones, I don't know. Your mileage varies. 10.1 mil – Josh Jacobs was a difference maker for the times for the Raiders last year. Saquon early in the season was had like difference maker type. His elements. numbers were not great for the whole year. They kind of calmed down after the early season and he ended up with negative value as a receiver. Right. Right. Now some of that is he's getting the swing pass that you're going to get when you're a, a dink right. and dunk offense. So, so that impacts that. Oh, by the way, yeah. Ezekiel Elliott's $16 million cap number this year. And Tony Pollard, $10 million. That's a $26 million cap number for the Cowboys. 
apparently over the cap at running back. That's absurd. So I, I guess I, I see it in the Giants case where they want the continuity in the short term. I see it in the Raiders case in that there's no one else to spend the money on. Yeah, and Jacobs was very, very good last year. Right, right, right. So while you're figuring other things out, you can put them in the I formation and slam, 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 slam the line of scrimmage for whoever your quarterback is. But, right, I mean, and you only have to do it for one year. I mean, the nice thing about franchising running backs is instead of what the Cowboys are struggling with with Zeke, which is the three years down the line, they're paying a bunch of money to a guy who's clearly lost something. Right. You're just getting one year out of it. Yeah. So I guess I don't hate it, but I'm happy the Eagles did not franchise Miles Sanders. Obviously, Joe Mixon's in this other situation. Let's just leave him out there. Yeah. Um, and, you know, it, it doesn't seem like an optimal strategy for it. But again, there's a logic saying we're going to lease this guy for a year if we're going to make a playoff run or if we need somebody to help develop our young quarterback. It's not completely foolish. Thordane asks, does Dallas just think this is a Super Bowl contender right now? I'm not sure what they think. I mean, our numbers would say this is a Super Bowl contender, yeah. right? They have a top 10 offense. They have a top defense. Now, you add to that the fact that we're really pessimistic about McCarthy taking over the play calling. Right. Um, right. You know, and you wonder is can the defense be how, you know, the defense was has been consistently good for two years. Can it be consistently good for three years? Even if you, the thing is, even if you do feel like you're a Super Bowl contender, I don't understand why you would spend twenty six million dollars on running back. You feel like there's money to spend elsewhere. They have problems at tight end, right? Because Dalton Schultz is going to leave, right? And you know, you could possibly bring a veteran in there. You could possibly start putting money away for Mike extensions and things like that. There's ways to play that besides just saying, "Well, we got to keep Tony Pollard at all costs," right? Thordane says, I guess it makes sense while Parsons and Diggs are still on rookie contracts. Yeah, because they'll get paid. Parsons especially will get paid when the time comes. He will get paid. And the other thing is, like I would say, they should go out and get a number two receiver. Yeah, a lot of people feel like, I know in my ESPN Plus piece where I signed a free agent that every team should sign, I gave them Odell Beckham. A lot of people have thought about giving them Odell Beckham because of Gallup, the idea of Gallup go to three. Yeah. Makes sense. Yeah, but that's it. There's no there's so few good receivers but you put Odell in there. Right. The second best receiver on the market is Jacoby Myers and he doesn't scare anybody. He's just a useful piece. Right. Right. So there's nobody else but just because there's nobody else to spend the money on doesn't mean just spend the money on the backup running back. Right. Um and it's also just if you look at the market it's ridiculous this year. Devin Singletary, David Montgomery, Miles Sanders, Raheem Mostert, and Jeff Wilson, and Jamal Williams, Kareem Hunt, Dante Foreman, who by the way did really good in next gen stats rushing yards over expected. Huh. And Jarek McKinnon and I'm not even like there's more guys past right. that. And then oh on top of that by the way, a really good deep deep running back class in the draft like i mean this is not the year to be giving money to running back what's interesting is i was on titans radio earlier they're talking about a a derrick henry trade right i saw a thing where there was a trade offer for dalvin cook who's looking at this market right now and saying we better trade for a running back who's got you know a couple years of tread on the tires (laughs) lots of tread on the tire you just name those guys it's like you're probably going to get some of these guys for like two years 10 million when all is said and done 
or you can get a guy in the third round who will be amazing. So I, I don't know. Sometimes I think that the general managers themselves don't understand the market. You know, like, like oh, there's 20 running backs on the market. We better make sure we hold on to ours. Like, no, if there's 20. No, there's backs. like 20 running back. There's so many running backs this so year. So many running backs. Yeah, are just, available. Yeah, just that's the time to, to go bargain shopping, not not premium shopping. Bill Houston asks, what do you make of the Chiefs not tendering Orlando Brown? Do the Chiefs sign a bridge left tackle like Donovan Smith and try to move up in the draft for a left tackle? Like that. Also, do they pursue Yannick Nagakwe as a Frank Clark replacement? Uh, first of all, in my ESPN Plus piece, I suggested Marcus Davenport nice. as a Frank Clark replacement, who is nice. younger than Nagakwe, and you entice him with the idea of come win a Super Bowl with Patrick Mahomes. Yes. But Nagakwe as a Frank Clark replacement, frankly, works, works too. It does work. I think Davenport will be expensive. He is young. He is super toolsy tradesy. Uh, he might break the bank. I don't know what the Chiefs really have in terms of like long range capital. I like the idea of Donovan Smith as the one year bridge uh, because you know he when he's healthy he still is that I can protect this Hall of Famer uh, type of thing. And the whole, Orlando Brown's just a headache. He's a headache. He is a negotiation headache. Um, you know I th- I believe he's another one of those I've got my own agent guys and and. It's always it's it's always a harangue, and I think the Chiefs looked at that and said, "We will find another way at left tackle." Um, I heard Titans radio; they were co- talking about Orlando Brown. Good luck with that. You guys are always in in a money harangue. That guy's going to be a money harangue. I mean, it's perfect for what they need. The Titans need Orlando yes. Brown. Oh yeah, because he just just slam it like Henry behind Brown, just forty five carries a game. It'd be something. But their left tackle was the worst in the league. Yeah, and well, uh, Luan's leaving. He was hurt last year. Yeah, I'm talking about the guy who replaced Luan. Yeah, he was something. He was really, he was really something. And by the way, this is not a really good tackle draft. I think I'm going to be mocking a a tackle to the Chiefs, um, but this would be a good draft when you got Patrick Mahomes, your defending champions, to go get a a veteran a veteran stopgap. Yeah. All right, so speaking of mock drafts and youngsters, let's uh, flog the FO100 again for everybody. If you're not an FO Plus subscriber, you need to be for so many reasons. All of the stats, all the deep stats database, Football Outsiders Almanac 2023, uh, but also the FO100, which is Mike's big draft board with the top 100 players and the top 10 fantasy players, top 40 fantasy players, the fantasy 40 all written up in Mike's style, you know. So let's talk a little bit about the FO100 and who you like. Who would you say that you like better than conventional wisdom? He, this is interesting. Now, I'm not going to say that I moved the market, okay? But when I was putting this sucker together, I put Drew Sanders of Arkansas in my top 10. I was like, well, this this will be one of those, like the bold takes. This will be a hot take. People will be like, Ah, football outsiders has Drew Sanders uh, really high, and, and Drew Sanders is a heck of a ball player. He's like an off-ball linebacker. He gets a lot of sacks. He'll get these Micah Parsons uh, comparisons that aren't really real. He's more of a, a an off-ball linebacker than an edge. Flies around. I think he's got parts of Roquan Smith in his game. I think he's got parts of Luke Keekley in his game. Absolutely love them. When I was really compiling it, I said this guy's got to go all the way up to the top ten. Then I looked and peeked in some other outlets. Suddenly he's in the top 10, 11, 12. At these other outlets too. Hmm. Interesting. People are 
Take, maybe they're taking tips from you, but also you're all seeing the same film and you're all seeing the same stuff in the film. Yes. Yeah. They're, they're, they're cheating off of me. What, what's happened is we all spent a week in, in, in Indianapolis and a lot of us chit chatted and we chit chatted with the people who chit chatted with the people who chit chatted the people. And like what happens is like there's a safe harbor consensus. Like, oh, we all saw this guy. Maybe somebody even talked to a GM, whatever, and they slide up the board. So, so Sanders is one of those guys. Um, another one that went up pretty high now, I see rather high, is Keon White from Georgia Tech, um, defensive end. Now, I'll tell you, this is a Doug Farrar binky. Doug absolutely loves him. Doug at USA Today, former football outsider, absolutely loves him. I liked him a lot. I needed to see more of him. And when he got up on the podium and started talking, he just absolutely nailed it and floored it in terms of level of maturity this young man is. Uh, frankly, he's he's already 24. Uh, so there's there's that mm -hmm. element to it. But like in terms of somebody who's going to come in and be coachable and he's going to have like a zero character situation and, and, and can handle the rigors of the NFL, we're talking like a, a 285-pound monstrous combination, like five-tech, two-gap tackle, but also can play edge at a really – uh, advanced size <laughs> and timed very well. This is a guy who has kind of moved up in the 25. I'm thinking, Aaron, of mocking him to the Patriots. Because it's interesting because the Patriots take guys like that. They take guys who are going to come in and instantly be B. Yes. Rather than younger guys who have the possibility of growing into A's. Yes. But also the possibility of busting. Yes. Right? Look at like Logan Mankins and Cole Strange and the guy, the Patriots don't mind taking a guy who's a little overage and has a little bit of a lower ceiling as long as he has a high floor. Yeah. And they, and they also like the 280 pound end. Like, it's not like we want two edges and they're off on the sides there. It's still a modified version that went, went back to the three, four days. Right. It's, it's a kind of a very flexible defense where Judon is outside. The, the edge yeah. rusher on one side is Judon who's an outside linebacker, but sometimes on the other side, it's a defensive end. And then sometimes yeah. it's Uche and it, yes. it's very flexible. Right. Right. So I liked him a lot. And I see Cabbage Prez talking up Ty J Spears. Yeah, he uh, says, can you talk about why you have Tajay Spears over Jameer Gibbs in the Fantasy 40? It seems like a huge leap for the two-lane back, despite the good senior bowl. It is the three elements of being a running back. First is the actual rushing. Tajay Spears, very high on that. I would say Gibbs is also very high on that. The receiving, you can see a lot on the tape of the diversity of the type of receiving that Tajay Spears can do. Uh, in terms of, you know, not just being a swing pass guy, not just being a screen pass guy. He's, he's somebody who's a little bit more advanced as a route runner. Third and the big one is the pass protection. And as I was going through these things and to say, who will actually be able to take the field? And it wasn't just a matter of seeing Spears run and pass protect in the senior ball, but it was going back, looking at some more tape, looking at how he pass protected on tape and said, this is a guy who, when some of these other rookies are being taken off the field, is going to remain on that field, okay? Because he because they they're going to trust him in different packages along the way. So, by the way, I love Gibbs too. I believe Gibbs is third. I think I put him third. Third among running backs. You have third Spears, among running backs. Second, and Robinson, uh, Robinson first. Right, right. But just uh, you know, I just absolutely love Ty J Spears, and I, I hate to say this, Cabbage Prize, you probably caught me. The guys who are good talkers, maybe I do, maybe I overrate them a tiny bit. Ty J Spears is it. It's a very aggressive alpha dog kind of guy. 
and, and he sounds like somebody a little bit like Bernard Pierce last year. It's like I'm going to go in, I'm going to run some run some SOBs over, and I, I I found that appealing. Wasn't Spears the guy that said his favorite play last year was actually a block on a pass play? That's correct. That's correct. Um, and uh, and I, again, I was sitting with Doug Farrar. We loaded up that play among other plays. We went back and found the play. And it's comical how good the block was. But really, it was rep after rep after rep. The two guys who at the senior ball, when they were doing the pass blocking reps, and this is the thing when they send a linebacker or a safety just straight at you, straight ahead, there's some cones, and you have to, like, survive. And most of the reps are a win because it's like a blitzing, screaming guy coming at, like, a 195-pound back. Ty J. Spears continually won that drill. Payne Durham of Purdue continually won that drill among tight ends, and it's very noteworthy. And I've often watched that drill saying these guys wound up getting drafted a little earlier, they get on the field a little earlier because the coaches are thinking about pass protection at these positions, not necessarily how wiggly you are because there's lots and lots of wiggly guys. Um, thank you, Thordane. Thordane says, I just signed up looking forward to the Almanac. Everybody should sign up and look forward to the Almanac. Thank you, Thordane. I'm looking forward to the Almanac. Um, <laughs> anyone what else stand out to you that you feel like you have a lot higher than conventional wisdom? I'm not even sure right now because, again, things move. Let me take a quick gander Let's at do some it. comparison to sit down and do some comparison to grinding the mocks at some point. It's interesting. Uh, Jalen Carter now, I'm starting to see some mocks have him go a little lower. Right. Well, you know, because part of, the of that field is... stuff, but he's still the same guy. Like he's still. Yeah, I think a that's fantastic just a fantastic player. We have him number two. So. Right. We have him number two. I'm putting him in a mock at like number six or seven because there's quarterbacks. Right. You know, and it's like, well, if there's trades to get up and get the quarterbacks for like that. Darnell Wright of Tennessee, I was talking about him on radio today, played left tackle for a couple of years. I believe he moved to the right side this year. I might have that backwards. But he is very technically sound, and he is a rugged, ordinary SOB. Will Anderson uh, was on his podium, and they asked him a common question, who was your toughest lineman that you faced and he talked about Darnell what right Tennessee he really improved he really was a dog went back and watched the film on that and it's like yeah you know he doesn't have all the traits of Paris Johnson did all the traits of Broderick Jones a little bit squattier a little bit short-armed compared to them that stuff gets a little carried away he's winning rep after rep after rep and by the way when you go to the FO plus and you get the FO 100 one of the things you'll find is we got some stats in there we got some sports info solution stats Yes, lots of stats. It's not just Mike's usual wit and watching the film. There's a lot of stats. Right. Our friends at Sports Info Solutions who chart every college game. There's yeah. a lot of stuff in there. Let, let's, get, talk, yeah. let's talk no, about no. guys that you have uh, <laughs> uh, lower than conventional wisdom. Come on, Will Levis, bring it on. This was the other one. Will Levis has been dropping on draft boards since I posted this thing. They're cheating off of me. They're cheating. I don't. I mean, I guess it happened with Malik Willis, so it could happen with Will Levis, but I don't see him getting past like 10 or so. Oh, no. In mocks, I'm still going to have him in the top 10 because yeah. someone's going to bite on the apple. But in terms of actual quality, I have him ranked. You're going to have to get a subscription to find out how low I have him ranked. He did make the top 100. I couldn't possibly do that. But I do a lot of comps with this guy, and – it's just very Trubisky-like. His his film is somewhere between a Trubisky film and a Blaine Gabbert film. 
and I and I've talked to You're other really people. showering him with compliments here. Yeah, yeah, uh, uh, a little bit of Jake Locker in there. Yeah, just nothing but the best. And here's my theory. Here's my theory. A lot of people, and I was quietly reaching out to some folks, saw his tape and like this tape is bad. And like, well, it was a little better in 2021 than it was in 22, but the tape is bad. The film is bad. But after we all ripped Josh Allen a couple of years ago, everybody is scared to do it again. Every don't, nobody wants those receipts anymore. Like we don't want to do the Josh Allen apology and things like that. And I ripped it. Josh Allen's tape was bad, but lots of people's tape are bad. They're bad quarterbacks. Josh Allen's tape was bad. He was a good quarterback. I'm pretty sure Will Levis's tape is bad. Indicates that he is not. Let's put it this way: not an NFL starting quarterback everybody's afraid of having the josh allen thing happen to them when they criticize a prospect but the fact yeah. is josh allen is a black swan yes there are not other quarterbacks like josh allen I, okay i mentioned for example we were talking about this a little bit at the combine so cubase right there's like a hundred like the bottom 120 quarterbacks in cubase okay right the guys who are at like two percent to succeed. Okay. The number of them who've succeeded is two. Who are they? It's two. It's Josh Allen uh-huh. and Matt Ryan. Wow. Okay, for different reasons. For Matt yeah. Ryan, it was because his because Cubase couldn't fully account for the fact that his teammates at Boston College suck so bad. Right, right. But there's a reason why we say those guys at the bottom still have like a two percent chance of making it because right. There is, but a two percent chance is really low. Like that's really real. And you know, so, somewhere down the line, there's going to be another guy who makes it comes who starts that low and makes it. But do you want to take that chance that you found that guy? That you did tell me, Cubase is not going to be in love with Levis. No, it's not in love with. It's not really in love with this year's class in general. But right. Stroud and Young come out higher than Richardson and Levis. Right. Right. So. You know, I, I, I'm saying what I say about Levis. I, I back it up. If anyone out there has the tape of the game, the film of the game that shows that this guy is a starter, I don't want to see one play, one isolated play taken out of a 27 to 10 loss. I don't want to see that Kellen Mond cherry pick type of thing. Send it to me. Let me know. Come after me about this. But I just don't say it. Yeah. Thordane says, my favorite description of Levis is what if Zach Wilson had played real teams in college? Yeah, that's, yeah, I, yeah. Uh, Zach I mean, Wilson is also, by the way, a real historical outlier because we're never going to have another quarterback unless we have another pandemic. Nope. We're never going to have another quarterback who has another year quite like that, where he comes from out of nowhere and has a huge year against what it turns out to be an incredibly easy schedule right. that's conk, uh but compounded by the fact that teams would like lose their whole secondaries for a week. Right. 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 You had to actually, uh, we talked about this in the past, had to like line item go through. It's like, Oh, well, that's central Florida. That's a real mid major. Oh, their entire secondary was COVIDed that week. It's like, it's like mind boggling like that. So, I mean, I, I, I don't like using the Zach Wilson comp at this point, especially because there's overlay of, off the field stuff with Wilson or like how right. you want to describe that. But Cabbage yeah, Perez does suggest that you go to the 2021 tape for Levis right. because he had no offensive line in 2022. But you're looking for more than just, I mean, you're not just seeing him under pressure and going, look at the pressure. Like you're right. 
Also, you know, he's going to be under pressure as a rookie in the NFL. And when and we've seen guys who descend in their final season, right? That's not a particularly good sign. That's not a particularly good sign. If you know, if you go down in your final season, it's not a particularly good sign. Right. And the previous year they had went he had Wendell Robinson, and Wendell Robinson is a good player. Wendell Robinson was also your slotty McSlot phase who could catch your little short passes and roll. So, you know, and I, I, I and cabbage, I hate the argument the argument from excuses for these guys. Well, it was his give him the line, give him the receivers, give him the schedule. Look, he's facing SEC competition with this, this, this. I mean, you go watch a 2021 game and see if he looks better when he had a yes. better offensive line, but yeah. You know, um, it's a tough argument because, you know, usually when you're scouting, you're looking past just the bad offensive line and you're looking bad for- offensive line. You're looking for all sorts of things. And and you need to see the evidence of like sort of excellence, not just like competence. And you do want to see growth and you see the opposite of growth. Right. And it's not like we're saying don't draft him at all. I think right. what we're saying is he he logically is a guy who would typically be more of a third or fourth rounder, not a first rounder. Right. In a world where it wasn't about the fact that quarterbacks are so coveted and so right. necessary that you have to take undue risks. It's like a day two, I'll grab him. Yeah. Um, all right, let's wrap it up for today. Um, Cabbage Press says he completes again. It, it just looks like two different guys, which could be right. its own problem. Yeah, which could be its own problem. It could be its own problem. It's not gonna have probably if you look at the teams that need rookies, Carolina, Houston. Indianapolis and Vegas, uh, you know, he'll have a good left tackle in Carolina, but most of those teams, you're not going to – you're, you're going to be under pressure as a rookie. And I don't see super-duper traits either. I mean, I could tell he definitely ran better in 2021, and they used him a little more as a runner with confidence then. But, like, this is not that level of running ability where he's going to be anything more than, you know, a, a occasional scrambler in the NFL. All right, that wraps it up for today's show. Again, I want to remind you, Football Outsiders has been a leader in football analytics for 20 years, and you need to join FO Plus to get access to everything we do. $4.99 a month you can spend on an annual membership is the cheapest that FO Plus is going to be this year. So if you want not just the FO 100, but the 2023 Almanac, and all the research tools and stats databases that we have during the season and all the new stuff we're going to do and hopefully post-game win expectancy for every game and all kinds of new stuff we're planning on introducing. This is the time to spend the money and get FO+. Dozens of data points and the Almanac. Look for the best price of the year for FO+. Now by going to footballoutsiders.com slash subscribe. Thank you to everybody who commented and asked questions during the show. We will be back next Thursday at 1 p.m. Eastern for free agent response. Yes, let the free agency happen. It's not the best year for free agency, but there's still going to be some interesting players switching teams. So, yeah, free agency response next week, next Thursday. Can't wait. All right. Until then, everybody have a good weekend, and uh, we'll talk to you next week.